Welcome to Established, a resource of Chestnut Mountain Church where we dive into the deep doctrines of the Christian faith and try to be as clear as possible. My name is Jared Cagle, and I'm alongside Brandon Bridge Farmer. Welcome. What's up? Welcome to the show again. Yeah, welcome. We're basically co-hosts, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's no real host other than you are the host with the most, and... <laughs> I'm always going to lean on you. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the hostess with the mostest. That's like a restaurant joke. Well, I mean, you, we're here to serve. Shot, ooh. Deep dish. Ooh. <laughs> ooh, we should go there, huh? We should go there. Deep dish. It's our new tagline, established. We serve a deep dish. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Real quick, too, shout out to uh, Abigail Sloan. Yeah. Uh, formerly Abigail Grendel, because she was actually a server for a long time at Mellow Mushroom. That's right. They don't have a deep dish, but most of their pizza is, you know, it's thick thin. crust. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Abigail was a great, a great server. Great, great, yeah, great waitress. Was. Yep. Yeah. She's still a great server, just in, not in the restaurant. Facts. Yep. Facts. Amazing. What's up, Abigail? Te- if you listen to this, so this is a test. If you listen to this, <laughs> shoot us a text and let us know. <laughs> Amazing. I think they're minivan shopping, like, as we speak. Yep. And Sloan, when you edit this, don't tell your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't cheat for her. We'll see how loyal she is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what flavor of coffee you got going on there, just, BB? Just uh, black coffee. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. actually know what we brewed this morning. Uh, I think it's bold. Is it that Charleston? Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? Charleston Coffee Co.? Something like that. We need to know that. We do. They're not sponsoring this, so it's not super important. You don't know. know. I know they're not. They may eventually. Oh, well, they should. Charleston <laughs> Coffee Company or whatever your name is. <laughs> Hit us up with a sponsor. <laughs> or if you're a coffee company out there listening to this, we're yeah. up. We love coffee. We do. We drink it uh, probably too much, but yeah, you know, it's sanctification, we're... Getting close to the Lord. Yeah, and in other words, we will buy a lot of your coffee. <laughs> yeah, so you but if you want to, to send us some free stuff. Well, yeah, and then we'll determine if we want to buy it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Amazing. Um, coffee helps our minds. You know, I study way better with coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about doctrine. <laughs> we are. Yeah, a specific doctrine though. Yeah, the doctrine of man. Yeah. Um. You also kind of talk about it in terms of the doctrine of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's kind of start with how we were created. So yeah. I want to kind of pitch this to you, BB, but you talked a lot about the Imago Day, and mm-hmm. I want you to explain that in terms of how we were created and the purpose of it. Yeah, so Imago Day is it's taken from the Latin phrase, which means in the image of God, um, which is this beautiful thing that we as all human beings were created in his image. And so you look at Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us, going back to the Trinity, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that idea that God created us, all of us, to represent him. And so to be able to represent someone, we have to be similar to them or know them and and walk in relationship with them. And so to do that with God, we had to be, created like him. And so the Imago Dei means that we're similar, we represent our likeness. And those three words, similar, represents, and likeness, are really how you could sum up the Imago Dei. <clears throat> so it's so important. This is, I think, this idea of the Imago Dei for, 
for Christians to wrap their mind around. If you can get your head around that God created us in his likeness to represent him to the world, changes every aspect of our lives. Everything. It has to. This is the, um, when we talk about identity issues that are arising, especially in today's culture, I feel like identity has always been an issue, but it's especially on the forefront of our students and kids' minds of because the world is painting this false narrative of what our life should look like. And the Imago Dei sets that back into course. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if we were not created to constantly have to work to achieve something, but we were created to represent the greatest thing, that settles us down, right? That should settle our anxiety and our angst that we have to be like everyone else when we were created to be like one. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, it helps us see that you have, um, you have worth. Like yeah. when I think of this, like if God created me, Brandon Bridge Farmer to be in his image, that means I have, I have worth in this world. Like when I feel down on myself and I feel unworthy of anything, I have to realize that God created me to be like, to represent him, which yeah. means that I have more worth than I could ever ascribe to myself. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And so, but, it, but we, you, you've maybe you've also heard it called that we're image bearers, that we bear his image. So I think of it as like a mirror mm-hmm. that we are called when, when this idea hits our hearts and our minds, we're called to reflect back to this world that doesn't yeah. know him, who he is. Yeah. And the only way that can happen is if we are made like him. Yeah. Not that we ever achieve godness, right? That we ever become a god or like some religions teach, mm-hmm. but that we we just represent him. Mm-hmm. Um, which is in my opinion way better. Yeah. That's way better because we're constantly representing something. Yeah. And yeah, it's good. <laughs> we wear brands, you know. We everybody has a brand now online, mm-hmm. which is a whole other concept that's ridiculous, but we're we're representing something constantly to the world, and it's so image focused yeah. right now. You know, video is king. Image is still like everywhere in front of our face. We've got live streamable content constantly at our fingertips. We we don't have to wait on the commercials anymore. You mm-hmm. know, like we, <laughs> and it's it's this consumption of image yeah. readily in front of us, and we feel this need to represent a certain form of excellence or, you know, we're constantly projecting a highlight to the world and it can get absolutely exhausting. And they do correlate a lot of anxiety issues and depression issues with the way that we've conditioned our mind Mm -hmm. to reflect a certain image. And God had it wired the whole time mm-hmm. for us, yes, we're reflecting an image, but it's one that we can rest in yeah. to know that he has made us in that image for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so now as we look to him constantly, he reflects off of us mm-hmm. to the world. I love I love the way you said that. That's good. And it is, it's exhausting to, like, if we allow the, the culture that we live in in 2019 to... Um, to pave the way of what we're supposed to be like, it's you, you never meet anything like you never, you never arrive. Right. And, um, and that's exhausting because like, as soon as you feel like you've, 
you've settled in what your brand. I mean, like how many companies are rebranding constantly? <laughs> they're always rebranding. They're always yeah, trying to that's a word. be new. And um, and the beautiful thing, like the Christian life is always moving forward, right? We're always moving closer to the Lord, hopefully. That's the goal of our life. But we get to rest in like he created us to be what we are and to be like him. Yeah. And to rest in our identity what is sufficient in no in being how God made us. Yeah. And um and that n- no one gets to ascribe your worth except for him. It's good. And um that doesn't mean like that one day you're going to like realize this and then you'll never struggle with that. But this is that reminder like when we go back to you go back into Genesis and you go back and read in the creation of man, this is what God's intention was for us. You go back and look at the garden. This is God created us to, to represent him, but to be in likeness that we might walk with him. Yeah. That Adam and Eve walked with God yeah. in the garden. And, um, and the same is true. Like God wants us to walk with him today. Yeah. And it's made possible because we're, we're completely different from the rest of creation. Like God created all these things. You go back to Genesis one and the creation account he created all these things and say they're good and then he gets to man and it's very good. Yep. And um and so we have to see that today like in the world that is that is just obliterated with anxiety and depression. We have to get to, and I that's a struggle in my own life. Like I have to remind myself that God made me in his likeness. Yep. That when he formed me that and he created me before the, like knew me before the foundation of the world, like that he loves Brandon Bridge Farmer. And so like, it's learning that if God loves me, I can love myself. Um, it's good. So, yeah, that's awesome. Let's, let's transition from that now, because okay. the truth is, um, that's, that sounds awesome and it is awesome. And God created us this way, but some of our listeners may be saying, I don't feel that at all. Like, I don't understand why, yeah. if God created me this way, why there has to be pain, mm. suffering, why I feel distant from him, why I don't, you know, well, I can't stop cussing at traffic. I don't know. I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to find an example. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's real. <laughs> and so what happened, right? Like, yeah. that's the question. What happened? And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that to distort this yeah. image. Yeah. Uh, Genesis three happens. So two chapters of very good. And then, uh, Genesis three happens and, uh, sin enters the world. And, uh, so before we do that, let's dive into a definition. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. Mm. Um, we'll get into the nature because Genesis three is where the sin nature is birthed. But you think about we, we always ascribe uh, sin as an act. It's doing something. But mm. half the time we forget mm-hmm. that it's an attitude. Wow. And that it's a our thought processes, that our thoughts are sinful and our, uh, our attitude and how we feel about things uh, cause, leads us into sin. And so I just think about like what happens in Genesis 3. And when, and when I was studying this, it was like groundbreaking for me to realize like, when Satan comes to Eve and Adam, like he first goes after their attitude towards God. Yeah. Like I believe that, um, now I'm stepping away from like what I'm going to hold on to extremely tight. Right. But I believe that 
the sin happened before she ever took the fruit. Mm. Um, because Satan tempts her with, did God actually say this? Do you actually think you'll die? God just wants to hold this back. And so he's, he's constantly attacking her attitude towards what she was, the image that she was made in and, and the God that loves her and the father that created her to be of worth and value. I'm not saying I'm dying for that added, like that the sin was created before, but oh, no, I see what you're but saying. this is what happens in our own lives. Yeah, Think about totally. it. Like we we are, we've probably sinned before our feet hit the ground yeah. in the morning. And because our attitude towards this world and ourselves and God is attacked constantly by how you should feel. So if God like going back to what you asked, like if all this is all great and all, but like, why is there so much bad in the world? Well, this is Satan constantly being like, if God loves you, would he really allow mm. this to happen? If you did all these things for God, you serve, you give, you pray, you go to church, you do all these things. Why would God ever let this happen to you? And so he's constantly attacking our attitude towards God yeah, and our feelings and our wants and desires. And so um, sin is this act, attitude, and nature. And when Adam and Eve sinned, when they took the fruit and ate of it, and they realized what they had done, that they realized who they were and that they were the shame entered and they were naked and, um, and they ran from God. This birthed into us a nature. So all of us, every human being that's ever been born from the offspring of Adam and Eve, so everyone, um, has, was born with a nature to sin. Mm-hmm. That, that, that sin nature was um, conceived at birth mm-hmm. and... Uh, and so we all, we all have an original sin and inherited corruption in us that we constantly, our attitude towards God is, is negative until we condition our hearts to see him as good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm chasing rabbits. I don't know exactly where I'm supposed to be going. I don't here, feel but... like you're chasing rabbits. I feel like you're getting to the root. Which is interesting picture now that you said rabbit because rabbits go down into their hole. And <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so maybe it's not a bad thing to chase rabbits yeah. at this point because you you're talking about a lot. Man, I love that the output. Mm-hmm. We look at we focus on the outputs when we think about sin, mm-hmm. but even look at the way that Jesus talked about it when he's like, "Oh, you think adultery is just limited to you having sex with another man's wife? No, like if you look at mm-hmm. somebody with that intent." Yeah. You've committed adultery, yeah. you know, and so if you hate someone, you've committed murder, right? Like, mm-hmm. Right, and so it's not he. He's taking it deeper. He's taking it to the root. Yeah, he's taking it down the, the rabbit, rabbit hole. Trail. <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> it, <laughs> just like you have. So, but yeah. that's important, right? So you said the it's it's you're defining sin in terms of the act, but also deeper level the attitude before mm-hmm. we act, mm-hmm. and then an even deeper level than that, it's the nature mm-hmm. that we have inherited. Yeah, because of original sin that came yeah. into the world with Adam and Eve. And so we need to really pay attention yeah. to sin in our life because it's a root problem for us. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you see it in our culture and we're tempted to go after it in this idea of moralistic deism that we can, if we can just change what we're doing and how we act, then God will love us. And Jesus tells us that man looks at the outward appearance God looks at the heart mm-hmm. and Jeremiah uh, 17, nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. 
And so the idea behind this is like, we can't just clean up our act. And he, yeah, who does good. Jesus go after the hardest? He goes after the Pharisees who had had perfected moralistic deism yeah. that had been able to make themselves look good. And Jesus looks at them and says, you're whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but you're dead and decaying on the inside. Mm. And so th- this is the, the horrible truth of the, the reality of our life is that this is, this is who we are. At the core of who we are is a sinful person that can do nothing but sin within ourselves. And, and if we're just looking at our sin as if we can just not do that action, and that's, all, that's the severity of how we look at it or the extent of how we look at it, then we've missed it mm-hmm. and we'll never get out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often have you tried to, um, you have a sin that you struggle with, maybe yeah. it's gossip or maybe it's I don't, whatever it is, and you just, I'm just not going to do it. And it's just like inward, I'm, I'm just going to be better. I'm going to fight it and I'm not going to do it. And how often do you just feel worn out? Yeah. Because you can't do it on your own. Yeah. There's no hope in that because it's your nature. It's who, the very core of who you are, that's your sinful nature. Yeah. Which sounds horrible, right? And it is. <laughs> and it sounds like there's no hope. Um, but it, we have to see that um, we, there's nothing that we can do in ourselves to please God. There's yeah. nothing we can do to fight our sin on our own because it's who we are mm-hmm. and it's who we are in our attitude. It's who we, and, and you see this when you, when we're not pursuing Jesus, our attitude just will pour out into our actions. Yes. Yeah. That's good because I think we go at it backwards Yeah. when we think about man, we think about managing sin mm-hmm. or living a better life. When, even when we think about going to church, it becomes an output of the Christian faith and we go backwards. We say we want to start with our actions and get those eradicated and corrected is a better word. And then sometimes we don't even make it to the attitude right. because we spend all of our energy trying to manipulate our actions to fit a certain mm-hmm. mold, right? To clean up before we come into church. But then by Tuesday, we've already fallen again. You know, that's that whole that cycle. Yeah. Uh, but God is saying, you got to flip that on its head, right? Because your real problem is your nature. Mm-hmm. And if you, the only way we can change that is to come to me and allow me yeah. to regenerate that, which we'll get to that more later. We're not going to go too deep into regeneration. But it's a, it's, it has to be God to change your nature. Yeah. And then from there, if you start there, he helps you change your attitudes. And once your attitudes change, mm-hmm. your actions are going to flow out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like, you know, so we could point to a lot of scripture, but that, that's the, let me turn this cycle on its head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God's saying, let me allow you, help me. Uh, I don't know. Like, allow, we're not allowing God to do anything. God is in control. Yeah. So that's not what I'm trying to say. But if you turn this on its head and look at it this way, I'll show you how mm-hmm. to get to a place of of sanctification, you know, mm-hmm. where you're pursuing me. So talk to me a little bit. I know that next week is going to be a deeper dive into some of these things in terms of our hope. Mm-hmm. But just give us a little bit of, because this sounds pretty bleak, and we're talking about the depth of sin. So uh what is our hope in that? Yeah. Our hope is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and so even in the past weeks where we talked about Christology and the work and the person of Jesus and what he did, that God who made us in his image to be image bearers took on the likeness of man, took on man, became incarnated and paid our penalty. Yeah. And we'll get into how that applies next week. But um, the hope is that he came to, to give us a new nature, to give us a new heart. He took our heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh that we would be softened to see the reality of everything. Because apart from God revealing him, his love and grace and mercy to us, we'll never see our sin as what it is. We'll see it as something to be managed. We'll see our actions as something to be managed. Well, I just want a happier marriage. Yeah. So I just should, I should just treat my wife better mm. and never getting to the heart of the issue of like something's wrong with me Yeah. and, or my business partner, whatever it is. And, and, uh, just to go back to that real quick, the managing thing, I think so often what's been helpful for me is the illustration of like, we treat sin as it's like a petting zoo, these animals that we've tamed and we can wow. like that. It's a lion that we can just go in and, and pet and it will never turn on us. And we've all seen the videos of these zookeepers that have got a little bit too comfortable yeah. with this beast that it was wow. never meant to be tamed and it turns on them. Wow. And the same is true for our sin. You might be able to manage it for a period of time or what you think to be managing, sure. realizing that it's ruining everything in you and it's leading you to death. Um, and one day it's going to destroy you. And you see it all the time where yeah. people have not managed their anger that they yeah. have or their lust problem or whatever it is. And it corrupts everything around them and destroys them because God will never... God is gracious enough to let you fall, mm-hmm. um, to not let you think that you can do this of yourself. And that's, that's even a hope. That doesn't sound hopeful that he'll right. let us fall, but it is hopeful that he'll sure. let us fall so far that we need him. And so, um, but the hope is that Jesus comes, that we be, could, could wear and remind ourselves that we were made in his image that we wear the image of God, that we are image bearers, that we, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that we are ambassadors. Yeah. And to be an ambassador for something means you represent them. And to represent them, you got to know them and be like them and, and, and fully wear it. And so Jesus came that we would wear his righteousness. So, so the being imputed to us, that it was taken our sin from us and given us righteousness. And that's the hope for the believer is you are no longer have this, like you still have the evidence and the repercussions of sin, but your nature has been changed in the eyes of God. You've been given righteousness, not the sinful wickedness. Yeah, so good. To restore the fullness of what mm-hmm. we were created to be. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful way of putting it, you know, with the petting zoo and... um so often we try to manage what God is trying to transform. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's not interested in us being able to manage. We think of God as a tyrant sometimes who owns the world and is just telling us to fall in line. But the truth is the fact that he's giving us an outline of how what righteousness looks like is not him being a tyrant. It's him being the most gracious yeah being to ever be because Mm -hmm. he knows what's best for us. He knows where our joy is found. He knows where our hope is found. 
And so what the devil is trying to spin in our minds to say, God is keeping this from you as a tyrant Mm -hmm. king. It's the same lie he lied to Adam with and and Eve with in the garden. He's still using it today. God's keeping things from us. The truth is, God's not giving us a plan so that he can can order us around and, and then keep what's best to himself. He's giving us what's best. Yeah. We need to walk in that and yeah. walk with him and reflect his image. It's awesome. I love it. This has been a great one. This is um as always, we appreciate you. Yep. And your wisdom. Thanks for putting all this together. Appreciate you. And uh, you know, we'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about the redemption and the hope that we have. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Yeah, let tell us some, know. Tell some friends. Let us know. If if you have a question or uh anything, you know, let us know. We we want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So we exist for the one. We sure do.